I'm entitling today's message, Fighting for This Generation, Fighting for This Next Generation, and, uh, and I'll share a little bit of kind of the, the heart behind this, but uh, right now, uh, I want to specifically speak to a certain generation that I'm speaking of, and that is uh, a generation called Generation Z. Generation Z. Now, there's many different generations. There's millennials and baby boomers and so on beyond that. But this current one that we're kind of in right now is Generation Z. And I want to give you a little bit uh, about this generation and uh, what I feel God's calling us in this kind of generation. Generation Z is made up of um, people before, born between 1997 and 2015. If that is you, I want you to shoot your hand up all across this room. If that's you, come on, look all over this room. Yeah, all right. Okay, if you have a child that you, you're a parent of that is in this. Raise your hand. If you're a parent of, yeah, yeah, look around. Okay, so you're going to see that this, whether you fit in this and this is your generation or you're parenting a child in this generation, these are, these are uh, people between the ages of 7 and 25 right now. Uh, one out of every four American is a Gen Z. There's over 74 million of them right now in the U.S. This is a very, very um, big generation. The generation that's coming beyond, b- b- behind them, the next generation's up, is actually the largest generation that we've had. That's going to be those that are seven or six years old and under that are coming our way. But um, there's a lot of bad press right now about this generation, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about this generation um, so that you can kind of help maybe understand them a little bit. And, and, and here's some kind of things that are honestly discouraging to hear about Generation Z. 34% are, are religiously unaffiliated, meaning that 34% of those 74 million um, do not have any kind of um, affiliation with any kind of church or faith at all. That's a, a startling statistic. Twice of them are, are, are as likely to become atheist. They're more, twice more likely than any other generation to become atheists or agnostic. 66% of them are leaving church or they have already left church in some form. And lastly, only 3% read their Bible. How many know if only 3% are reading their Bible, we've got an issue going on? Um, that is the foundation in which we, we, we have. And so these are some pretty startling things. And there's been a lot of bad news about this generation, but today... Specifically in this message, I want to share not just the bad news of the startling statistics, but I want to share some good news because, yes, do we have a problem? Yes, but I believe more than a problem, we have an opportunity. Come on, how many believe we got an opportunity right now? Let me show you the opportunity that we have, and this, I think, trumps all of this right here. This one statistic trumps it all, and that's this statistic right here, that 77% of people come to faith in Christ before the age of 18. 77%. Listen, 90% come to faith before the age of 30. 90%. Nine out of 10 people that have given their heart to Jesus come before the age of 30, 77 before the age of, of 18. So let me ask you this. Where should our time and our effort and our energy be? It should be in this generation. This is our moment. This is our time to uh, impact this generation unlike ever before. And I want to read a passage of scripture. We're going to go to the book of Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah is not the last book. It's in the Old Testament. It is not the last book in the Old Testament, but it is chronologically the last book in the Old Testament. I don't know if you know this, but the Bible is not written chronologically. Like as you read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, you start going through the Old Testament and you start going through the New Testament. It's not written 
from the date and going through. It's, it's interspersed throughout the Bible. And even though uh, Malachi is the last book actual of the Old Testament, Nehemiah is chronologically the last one before Jesus shows up. And Nehemiah is, uh, is uh, about uh, the children of Israel who have been taken captive by the Babylonians. Um, they've been in captivity for over 70 years. And Nehemiah is a cupbearer for the king. This is his job. He's got a secular job. He's a cupbearer for the king, which is a very, very um, special job. The, the cupbearer had to drink everything before the king did because if someone was trying to kill the king, the cupbearer would die before he did. I mean, want that job. Like, that's like the secret service for the president. It's kind of like, you're getting shot before he does. Uh, that's kind of like what his role was. And, and so he's doing this job. He's the cupbearer for the king. And uh, he's got a lot of favor with the king. God's given him some incredible favor. And so he has some people come from Jerusalem, which is his hometown that came. And he was just asking, like, hey, how is it back home? I mean, I've been over here in Babylon for 70 years or so. I want to know, how is it back home? And they go, it's not good. Um, actually, Jerusalem is destroyed. The walls have, are crashed down. Um, the, the city's not doing well. It's in a bad place. And the Bible says he is so stricken by this. Um, he, he rips his clothes, which was just a, a sign of grief, and he begins to fast and pray, and he begins to cry out to God going, something's got to happen, something's got to happen. God gives him a burden to go and fix it. And so he asked God, God, would you give me favor with the king so that I can go back and I can repair my city? I can go and fix all this brokenness that's there. And uh, God does. God gives him supernatural favor with the king, and he goes before the king and asks, hey, can you give me favor? And the king says, yeah, not only will you go, I'll help pay for it. Come on, how many know that's favor? And so God gives him supernatural favor to go back to Jerusalem and to, um, and to begin to fix these walls. Now, let me just say this because I think this is important about where we are in this current generation. Because if you look at the statistics I just shared earlier, you look at this generation and it's, it's some pretty sad statistics. But I, I don't know about you, but I'm in a place where I don't want us just to look at these statistics and watch these statistics and analyze these statistics and, and complain about these statistics. Come on, I want to be a people who fix the statistics. I mean, no, we can complain about this generation all day long, but at some point, someone's got to get a spirit of Nehemiah on them and says, we got to fix this. We've got to fix this, and, and we've got an opportunity right now to fix this. And so Nehemiah goes back to repair and rebuild the walls. And I'm, I'm kind of giving you all just a really quick overview of a lot of stuff that happens in a short amount of time. But he goes and he begins to repair the walls. And, of course, as he's repairing the walls, there's people that are against him saying, you can't do this. And, I mean, just all this opposition because, I mean, you know, anytime you're living for God, it's just not always easy. You're going to face some opposition. And, uh, and so he gives this one huge moment kind of speech to uh, the rest of Israel that's there rallying around him to rebuild these walls. And this is what he says. And this is our one verse we're going to, um, we're going to go to. We'll go to other verses today, but this is the one I want to focus in on. And it's Nehemiah 4.14, and he says this. He said, then as I looked over the situation, I saw all the statistics. I saw all the naysayers. I saw all the critics. I saw what everybody was saying. I called everybody together, all the nobles, all the leaders, all the, all the people who want to make a difference, and all of the rest of the people. And I said to them this. This is what I said. And I want you to hear me, because I'm saying this to us as an OSC family today. Listen, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the enemy. But remember this. Watch this. The next verse says this. But remember the Lord who is great and glorious, and fight for your brothers 
and fight for your sons and fight for your daughters and fight for your wives and fight for your homes. And here today, I'm going to tell you, I'm coming very passionately because this is such a passion of mine, is that may we not just be people that are afraid of what the enemy is doing to our generation, but we remember that our Lord is great and mighty and glorious. And come on, can we be a people who fight for our homes and fight for our wives and fight? Hey, listen, fight for your marriage. Don't lay over. God is great. And as I've been hearing people going through marital issues and troubles with their teenagers and situations in their homes and things in their workplace, and it's like, oh, it's just going to happen. I'm like, no, we got to get our fight back. And not fight because you're strong, but fight because of the God that you serve is stronger than anything you're battling against. And so we've got, get, we've got to get this, this thing that's within us. And, and so today, as we're talking about Gen Z, I want you to hear me. This is not a parenting message, okay? This is a message for all of us that are in this room because we have a generation right now that is looking for some people to fight for them. And I'm praying that today, hopefully, whatever this Nehemiah spirit was that was on him to go back and to fix and to help and to to, to invest and to build and to sacrifice, that that same thing will be on every single one of us when it comes to fighting for this generation. Now, for you to really begin to fight for this generation, you need to understand some things about this generation. So this week I called Pastor Dustin, who's our youth pastor, and I said, hey, listen, I, uh, I, wanna, I wanna do a survey with our students. I need your help. He said, okay, what do you want? I said, I want you to ask every student that we have that comes to youth on Wednesday night this question. Here's the question. What I wish my parents knew. Fill it in. Fill in the blank. What I wish my parents knew. I got all these answers in. Y'all want to see some of them? All right. Some of y'all are like, I don't want to see that. Okay. That's the problem. <laughs> Let me share with you some of this that's here. Here's, here's, here's the first thing. What I wish my parents knew. How hard school is. How hard school is. It's not, it's not what, you, what you think it is. Let me show you another one. How stressful things can actually be for children and not just their lives. Come on, that's a big one right there. Watch this one right here. How bad my anxiety is. Like, for us, I don't know, I'm a parent. I'm like, you have no bills. Some, no job. No pressure. Anxiety. Let me tell you about anxiety. That's what I want to say. Anybody in here? But hey, listen, there's, there is a pressure that is on your kids that you don't even know. That happens through technology, that happens through school, that happens through so many different things. So before you want to go about the route, which I've done before, going, oh, listen, you have no job, no bills, I don't want to hear you complaining, which is usually what our generation does. It's what my generation did before me and the generation before that. Oh, you got to drive to school? Let me tell you how I had to walk to school. Okay, none of that stuff. In the snow, up the hill. Listen, Jennings Jennings don't even have hills, okay? Nor snow, okay? So my anxiety is bad. Watch this next one. Watch this. How stressful it is to live up to their expectations. Watch this next one. How much their relationship affects me. Just let these sink in for a moment. Watch this next one. How much I hate my life, but I love them too much to go. And then last one, and this is huge here, how thankful I am for them 
even though I might not show it. As I'm reading these, I'm, I'm just so overwhelmed with emotions as I'm like, there's an invisible battle that's going on that we are so ignorant of. The enemy is so after our kids and so after this next generation in ways that we can't even imagine. Because the enemy knows that 70 plus percent of them give their life to Christ before 18. So if I, get, if I can get them to quit, if I can get them to give up, if I, give, if I can get them to think some, some way about God that is opposite of how God is, then I've got them. And I'm going to tell you, every time God was about to do something huge in a generation, the enemy went even more after them. Y'all yeah. know when Moses, God was going to use Moses, you know what the enemy tried to do? To take him out. That's why his mama had to put him in a basket to go off. When Jesus was about to be born, you know Herod issues a decree that every boy is to be killed. Guess who's the enemy's after? Jesus. And you think about right now the enemy and how he's playing. Think about everything that we've had with abortions. Think about everything that we've had with technology. Think about everything that we've had with political uh, uh, issues that are getting even into the school system. Think about gender dysphoria. Think about all of these things that the enemy is after against this thing. And all that does, however much that can frighten me, if we read what Nehemiah says, don't be afraid. Come on, this isn't a problem. This is an opportunity. This is an opportunity unlike anything other. And so we as a church have a plan. We have a plan on how we're going to disciple your kids. And I want to introduce, and, and maybe for some of you, this is going to be the first time you've ever even heard this, but I want to show you the plan. I want to educate you in the plan because this plan doesn't just affect us. This plan affects you because there's our part that we have as a church to help disciple your kids, but you've got a part in this place on how you disciple your kids. But not only for those that are parents that are discipling your kids, come on, all of us in this have a part to play on fighting for the next generation. And so I want to share with you a little bit of what God has shown us and how we currently are investing and fighting for this generation. And so I want to start with our young ones. So I'm going to start with OSC Kids. OSC Kids for us is all of our kids that are babies all the way to fifth grade. And so on a, on a Sunday, when your kids come in and you drop them off and you go through all the check-in pro- process to get them checked in, I just want you to know they're not getting babysat. Like when they go into these environments, like they're in an environment where they are engaging. Let me show you. I'll show you a couple pictures. This is really exciting. Just as much as we worship, so do they. Come on, somebody. And they're led by students. They're led by kids to go and do worship. Now, their worship's a little bit different than ours. Theirs has motion. I thought about bringing that into adults, but I don't know if that's going to make it over here. Come on. Y'all want to? Dana already has her own motions. Okay, so. So I want to look, like, watch this. Look, Look at this next picture. This is what's happening. This is what's happening. Like, Lindsay and I have been having this conversation about just, man, we just really need to continue to teach our kids how to worship so when they get into this environment, they know what they're doing. They're not walking into here going, why does everybody have questions? What's going on? I don't understand this. But they're in an environment where they're, they're learning about worship. They're hearing worship. They're, they're, they're getting around someone that is, uh, that is teaching them the word of God. And so our services, especially for Quest, which is our first, our kin- first, first through fifth grade that we have, uh, they're, they're learning um, 
a lesson, they're, they're doing worship, and the same in all of our other environments, but there's two parts, because there's two parts of, of training and equipping kids. You've gotta have the one part where it's fun and engaging, and they have games, and they do all this stuff. If you go in there and you look, which none of you are allowed to because it's secure, but if you were to go in there and look, they, it's an incredible, incredible environment that is fun for kids. That's one part because it needs to be fun, but then there's another part where it needs to be highly relational, which is that your kids not only go into a large group and hear the word of God and are discipled in the word of God and learning about Jesus and all this stuff. Uh, today, they're doing a message on salvation, and Lindsay and I sat in the car this morning as we're driving here praying for some of your kids to get saved today, that God would give their, God would rapture, uh, rapture their hearts and so that's one part of it, but then the second part is that they need relationships, and so then they divide up into small groups where it's age-based. It's around their age group, and they get, they get around it, and they have a small group leader that goes and invests in them. They have a, a, a team of people that invest in Look at this. I love this. That are there spending time with your kids because your kids need time, and they need touch, and they need investment. They need someone to know their name. They need someone to go, hey, how can we pray for you? Now, listen, if you want to get some crazy prayer requests, just go on kids. You find out, <laughs> hey, listen, and they talk about you. <laughs> pray for my daddy. He was screaming all this week. I'm, listen, we learn a lot about y'all. I just want y'all to know right now. Learn a ton about y'all. But, but the fact to know that your kids are not just herded into a room and just fed goldfish and then just hearing the word, but they're getting into a small group with kids their own age and they're a leader that's around them that is investing in them and knowing them and caring for them and praying for them and teaching them and helping them apply the, 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 the lesson to their life and how do we live that out? I mean, that's, that's just so powerful. Look, look, look at this next picture. I'll show you another one. Look, this is, this is our J team. Now, for those that don't know, our J team are those that are made up of sixth, seventh, and eighth graders who graduated out of Quest, who graduated out of OSC Kids. They're now in OSC Youth, but now they're taking what they learned and they're going back into Quest and they're teaching and they're helping and they're encouraging and they're walking. Come on, that's what it's all about. Do I have any J team in the room? Is there any J teams in here? Yeah, come on, J team, let's go. A lot of them aren't in here because they're in there with your kids, tending to them, investing in them. Because I don't know if, you, if, if you've been into our kids' building and you look on the wall, it says you don't have to wait to be great. And that is not just a catchy slogan because we need a decor on the wall. That is a core conviction of ours that no matter what their age is, they don't have to wait to be great. They can be in third grade, second grade, first grade, sixth grade, and they can make a difference in their schools and in their families and in their sports. This is what God's called them to do. And so that's a part of our plan is to invest in them. And we're continually uh, finding ways that we can continue to invest in them and how we can equip you at home to do that and partner with you. So that's what we're doing for kids. And then on top of that, now we move to the next grade, which is OSC Youth. Now, OSC Youth, of course, is made up of sixth graders through 12th graders and uh, very much similar to what we do in kids, just now tailored to that age-specific range. Now, for those in here that have a OSC Youth, you have a sixth through 12th grader, raise your hand if I wanna, I wanna know. If, you have, if you're a parent of a sixth through 12th grader, raise your hand. All right, if you are in sixth through 12th, let me see you, raise your hand. All right, there we go, they're all around here. And this is so huge because... Uh, they have their own service on Wednesday nights. I don't know if you knew that, but they show up here at 6.30 on Wednesday nights, and they come, and they also do worship. They do, it's fun. They do games. Let me show you. This is a game that they just had a couple weeks ago. Of course, our leader shooting your kids. It's awesome. This is, <laughs> Caleb looks a little too excited, okay? 
But this was, this was actually at our one night event. I don't know if you know this, but every first Wednesday of every month we have one night. One night is where all of our campuses, Eunice and Crowley and Jennings and all of the youth come to this campus for one large gathering the first Wednesday of every month and they do huge games and they do food and it's really more uh, an environment for them to definitely bring their friends and get encouraged and to hear the gospel and uh, that happens on the first ones. But on the second and third and fourth and fifth Wednesday of every month, they're still back here at 6.30, and they're, they're doing worship yet again. They're having a time of worship. I'll show you yet again. And it's not led by adults. It's led by students um, that are doing, leading worship, and our young adults who are helping lead with worship. And this is what, and you're seeing your kids encounter God. They're not just encountering God on Sundays. They're also encountering God on Wednesdays. And so they're hearing worship, I think, uh, uh, experiencing worship, learning how to worship God. There's another, I think there's another picture there of them encountering God in fresh and new ways. Yet again, every time that they're going through it and they're hearing the word and someone's getting up here and teaching the word, but yet again, it's two parts. It's one part fun and worship and word, but it's another part is relationships. And I think what our generation is lacking right now is not information. They can get tons of information on YouTube. What they're lacking is relationships. They need relationships. They need someone that knows their name and someone that's investing in them, someone that's caring for them. And so every Wednesday, they don't just get here with 100 other students and just hear a word and then go out. They, get, they, they break off into their tribes, which our tribes are yet again just a fancy word for another small group that they come together. And that as well is divided by ages and genders. And so sixth and seventh grade girls get together with their tribe leader. And ninth and 10th grade boys get together. And high school boys get together and they get with their grade and they get with their gender and they begin to unpack and they have a tribe leader that is encouraging them and loving them and helping them take that message and apply it to their life and knowing them. And what I love about our tribe leaders, because I think our tribe leaders are absolutely the best, I'm just gonna let you know that now, I think they're absolutely amazing because they don't just do it on Wednesdays, they do it all throughout the week. They're texting your kids. They're going to your kids' events. My son's tribe leader came to his basketball game. He wasn't even excited I was there. He was excited his tribe leader was there. I'm like, I got off of work too to come. But his tribe leader was there cheering him on in his basketball games. Most, most Sundays after church, my kids don't go to lunch with me. They go to lunch with their tribe leader. Now, you better make sure you get a tribe leader who's got some money. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Can you pay? Can you pay? Okay, no. I'm just kidding. Hey, if you're a tribe leader, is there any tribe leaders in here? If you're a tribe leader? Okay, they're all at 11. Okay, so... Um, I, I, I'm so grateful for them. I, I, just incredibly grateful for them. Looking on Facebook as I'm watching tribe leaders invite their, their tribe over. I just saw uh, Samantha Heim. Where's Samantha? Samantha in here? I don't know if Samantha's in here. I think she's coming to 11. So I just saw on Facebook the other day, she had all of her tribe girls over at her house for a sleepover. I'm like, come on, that's, these kids need relationships. Hey, listen to me. I don't know about you. Someone's influencing your kids and I want it to be a godly person. It's not a matter of if your kids are getting influenced. The question is who's doing it? Because listen, TikTok will disciple your kids and YouTube will disciple your kids or you can get your kids in an environment where, where someone who loves God and loves them will get into it. And I've said this before, but your kids will listen to you, but there's a voice right now in this season of life that they listen to more than yours. 
And so it's important for you to, to, uh, to get into a place, and I want to encourage you to do that. I, I love this because the, our tribe leaders are made up, our high schoolers are discipling our middle schoolers, and our young adults are discipling our, our high schoolers, and we got God, God just doing incredible things there in the area of youth. And let me tell you right now, I, we are not a youth group that, that really challenges them to not just don't sin, don't have sex. This generation doesn't need to be told what not to do. They need to be reminded of who they are and what they're called to do. So you should fight for your purity because your purity is a gift. Fight for your relationships. It's not about don't do this and don't do that. Kids, listen, have you ever noticed that when you start laying down the law, they want a bucket anyways? So you need to give them something greater than the law. You need to give them relationship. And invite them into a journey of, of knowing God and discipling them. And then, of course, we go into our, our next group, which is our young adults. And our young adults are those between the ages of 18 and 28, 29, somewhere around there. If you are between that age, raise your hand. If you're in between that age, raise your hand. Come on. Don't be scared. That's you. Just you. That's you. Okay. All right. Listen. So, so I am determined. I want you to listen to me very closely. I am determined that this age group right now, I'm going to say two things. One, I apologize to everybody that's in this age group because I feel like that has been the one we have neglected the most. Because as soon as you come out of youth and then you're going into adulthood, you're like, you're in this awkward stage. So, uh, so I want you to hear me. I'm, I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry if you felt that awkward uh, at being here, just not knowing where you fit. Um, second thing is that's changing. That's changing. God is putting a major burden on my heart for this one right here. And I'm going to tell you why. Because these are the next leaders of our church. These are the next pastors and children's pastors and youth pastors. These are not only the next leaders in our church. These are the next leaders in our city and in our community. They are our next school teachers. They are our next doctors. They are our next. Y'all with me? And I am committed as a pastor to make sure that people that are in this age group are getting into leadership positions in this church. Getting into places where you can grow in your gifting. And if there's anything that's ever marked our church, I think to a degree it has been this. It has been getting young adults and even youth involved in the church in some way. When I think about stories in our church right now, let me show you a picture. I want to show you a picture. I don't, this picture was probably taken maybe 15 plus years ago. Look at this picture right here. Now, I want you to notice something. There's some people in this photo that you may recognize. Do y'all recognize any of them? There's a couple of them. This is my sister. All right. This is, this is Alex, who we sent out years ago. She's in New York. Y'all notice this dude? This is Pastor Dustin. He needs a lot of discipleship. All right. There was Ryan Blanchard. Cody Dyke. Okay, these are, these are key people that are in our church. Cody and Allie, who have been with us now, Allie was saying, yes, uh, last week when we were signed, 20 years. They came to us in, 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 in high school. In high school. And got discipled in this house, went off to college, and then came back, and now leading our worship department, leading our production department. Ryan and Mel. Now, I wish I could show y'all a picture of Ryan and Mel way back in the day. But we loved them anyways. 
How many of you are thankful for people who loved you in your awkward stage, okay? <laughs> Come on, I am a byproduct of that myself, all right? Someone should have slapped me, all right? But, but now leading in different capacities. Sarah Chapman, how long have you been here, Sarah? Since you were seven. How old are you now? 30. Dustin, who has been here, Dustin, how long you been here? 12 years. 12 years. Served in youth, was a youth, got saved as a youth, served in youth, left, came back, now's our, our, our student pastor. I don't know about you, but I want to see that for your kids. I want to see that for my kids. I, I, my heart has always been for my own kids. God, I want my kids to love God, love the church, because most PKs don't, and I want them to love me, <laughs> us. <laughs> Not just me, I mean, Lindsay too. Like, that's my prayer. God, I want my, I want my kids just to love God, I want them to love his church, and I want them just to love their parents. That's, that's, that's all I want. If they can do that, I just... Winning in life, whether they're in ministry or not in ministry, wherever God calls them, if those things are anchored in their life. And, and, and you'll notice that so much of this started in, in, a, in a youth and young adult stage, getting them opportunities to lead in, 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 a, in a young stage. You, you've seen that on this stage, and you're going to start seeing it a whole lot more, younger people being on this stage. You'll be like, oh, man, look at all them young people. You should be grateful for that. I, I want to give as many opportunities. We go, well, it's not going to be good. No, it'll be great. Yeah, it's not going to be perfect, but I don't know about y'all. Somebody gave me a shot. Listen, you'd have heard my first couple of preaching. You wouldn't be here. <laughs> Somebody's got to give you a shot. And so I, for all those that are in the young adult stage, all those that are in the 18 to 28 stage, I want, you to, I, want, I want you to hear me very closely. First off, thank you. Thank you for just staying committed, staying in, staying plugged in. Many of you are serving in different capacities. I want you to be serving even more. I want you to get involved, but I just want you to know I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. And we're going to start creating some spaces and some places for you to get not only just more involved, but for you to get better discipled. Um, So come September, there's going to be some stuff for young adults that's coming this way. And I'll share more of that in in the weeks to come. But it's coming. It's coming. So with all that being said, so that's some of the plan. And I, I wanted to share the plan with you on what we're doing. But, but I want to now give you some, some strategies and some things that you can do. Every person here, whether you've got a kid in this age demographic or not, you can do this. Every person in this room can do this. Every person online can do this. And I want to show you, I want to give you three things on how you can fight for this generation. Uh, Three ways that you can fight for this generation. First one is this, pray for this generation. Pray for this generation. Prayer changes things. I don't know about y'all, but I got ran down by the Holy Ghost because of my grandma and my mom's prayers. My dad prayed for me. My parents prayed for me. I had people around me that prayed for me. I mean, there's so many people that prayed for me. I am literally living in, I can't tell you how many people's prayers. 
And you go, well, Pastor Josh, what do we pray? I don't know, how, how do I pray for them? Good, let me give you three things you can pray for. Here are three things. If you're a parent, here are three things you can pray for your kids, no matter what their age are. And if you're, if you're not a parent, these are three ways that you can pray for this next generation. Number one is pray that they fear God. Pray that they fear God. Well, what do you mean, Pastor Josh, like that they're afraid of God? No, 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 not that they're afraid, but that they respect and reverence God. Watch, watch what Proverbs 1, 7 says this. This is why this is so huge. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So I want my kids to fear God. I want them to have a healthy reverence and awe for who God is. Look what Proverbs says. Look, look at the next verse. It says this. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. That everything that's coming against them, that's trying to take them out in life, if they have the fear of God, not only do they get knowledge, not only do they get wisdom, but they get their life protected. And parents, can I give you the best way to help your kids understand the fear of God is to model it. Show them that you fear God. You can't, they're, they're never going to follow something that you say but don't do. The greatest things my boys see is when they come down the stairs that they see their dad in the word. They see their dad praying. They see their dad praying over them. Before my kids went off to school Friday, we all huddled in our kitchen, Lindsay and Josiah and Judah and Joel, and I told them, I said, for the, this school year, this will be a mandatory thing. Before you leave this house, we will stand in this room and we will pray. And we will seek the Lord together. And I'm gonna pray protection over you and I'm gonna pray wisdom over you and I'm gonna pray the fear of God over you. I'm gonna pray that you fear God more than you fear man. Because we've got a generation that fears people more than they fear God. And God, I pray that my kids have a backbone and stand up for righteousness even when it's not popular. That they stand up for truth and stand up for what's right and it doesn't matter what our kids know if they don't know what really matters. So I pray that my kids fear God Another thing that you can pray for is pray that they hear God. Pray they hear God. Romans 8, 16 says this, the Holy Spirit speaks to us deep in our heart and it tells us that we are God's children. I want my kids not only to hear their father and their mother whispering in their ear, I love you, I'm proud of you, I'm with you, but when they're at school, I want them to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit that says, I'm proud of you, I love you, I am with you, I am for you. Come on, you know, they make stupid decisions not in your presence. Now, sometimes they do, but, but most of the time, all of their foolish decision-making is not when you're around. And so you need somebody speaking to them. That's not you. That is reminding them, don't do that. Don't say that. Don't go there. Don't hang out there. Get away from that. And you want it to be the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so we pray that, that they hear God's voice. And one of the main reasons that our young people cannot hear God's voice is because the enemy has made them too distracted. But by the way, it's not why the young people can't hear God's voice. It's why we can't hear God's voice. We're so distracted. Young people nowadays are spending upwards of four to eight hours a day on a device. So if you're that distracted, by the way, you're hearing voices. The question is, you're just not hearing the right one. 
And so we've got to train our kids to listen to hear God's voice, which is yet again something that we do in OSC Kids and OSC Youth is, hey, what is the Lord telling you? What is God speaking to you? What is he trying to uh, encourage you with? Watch what Isaiah 30 verse 21 says. It says, and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it, and when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. I am standing on this stage because my parents helped me have the ability to discern the voice of God. I would not be in Louisiana if it wasn't the ability to hear God. I'm just telling you right now. I would have been back in Texas pursuing a whole nother life. But I'm so grateful that I had parents that not only um, made sure that they modeled it, but also made sure that I was hearing God. And so when I felt like there was a change in my life, they would come to me and they would say, well, what does God say? Because how many know parents always have a plan for their kid's life, but sometimes your plan is not God's plan. You better make sure that you're following God's plan and not your plan for your kid's life. God's plan for their life. Come on, somebody. And so, and so they would always come to me. The fact that I'm in Louisiana is because God spoke to me. The fact that I married Lindsay is because God spoke to me. The fact that I came and moved to Jennings, Louisiana is because God spoke to me. And the reason I'm staying in Jennings, Louisiana is because God spoke to me. Are y'all with me? Because if God's not speaking to you and you're listening to other people, you'll leave when you're supposed to stay. And you'll stay when you should leave. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Let me keep going. Let me keep going. But I'm going to tell you right now, we want to hear God. We want our kids to hear God's, God's spirit. I want my kids to get convicted by God, not just by me. I want them to walk into the room and go, Dad, listen, I'm sorry. That was, that was on me. If I'm always their Holy Spirit. Now, there's a season where I'm going to be that. But when they get into teenage years and they get into young adults years, if you're still telling your kids what to do and what not to do, you have leaned on your wisdom and not the Holy Spirit's wisdom. So God, Lord, help us to help them. God, I want them to fear God. God, I want them to hear God. Here's number three. And I pray that they have godly influences. One of the most important decisions your kids will ever make while they're in school age years is who their friends will be. Their life is not shaped by information. Their life is shaped by relationships. Watch what Proverbs says. It says, whoever walks with the wise becomes what? Wise. Becomes wise. But the companions of fools will suffer harm. I say this to youth all the time, and I'll say this to even, even to some of you as adults. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. It is impossible for you to live the right life with the wrong friends. I mean, the first thing we do this, I do this in counseling with adults, is when they come in and go, man, I've got this issue and this issue and this issue. I'll ask them straight up, well, who's your friends? Like they're in high school. (laughs) What does that have to do anything? Because you can't live the right life with the wrong friends. You need the right team around you to do what God's called you to do. And I pray that for my kids. I pray that for your kids. I pray for that for this next generation as they get around the right influences. Yet again, this is why we do small groups in in kids. This is why we do tribes in youth. This is why we're doing life groups with young adults. This is why it's so important that they get around environments and get around people and godly influences that are speaking into their life and encouraging them and helping them and championing them. So this is what God's calling us to do is pray for this generation. Let me give you the second thing on how we can fight for this generation. Not only do you need to pray for them, you need to prioritize church. I'm going here. I'm going here. Listen to me. Our kids need church to be the highest priority on your calendar. 
Listen to me. I, I, it can't be if we have time and if we want. It can't. It can't. Life is too short and your kids are too valuable for you to make this a low priority in their life. When, it, when I was growing up, I didn't get an option. If I was throwing up, my mom gave me a bag and said, we're going to church, they believe in healing, all right? Like, <laughs> now if your kids are throwing up, don't bring them here, okay? So, it's a new generation. Lindsay's like, please, no, 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 no. Band-aid, okay, put a Band-aid if they're bleeding or something, but like, it, it wasn't, it, it didn't matter how late we stayed out Saturday night, like, it didn't matter. If we were on vacation, we were finding a church. Like, that's what it was. It wasn't optional. And I'm going to tell you right now, because it, it, when we look at this, this statistic that says all these kids that are more prone to being atheists now and, and 3% reading their Bible and more of them are leaving the church, it's not because their parents are forcing them to go to church. It's because their parents haven't prioritized church. And then they're wondering why their kids don't prioritize it in their life. Because if we don't prioritize it, then they definitely will not prioritize it. But you need to understand, even Jesus went to church. The man who don't need church. Look at, look at scripture, Luke 4, 16. And when he came to Nazareth, where he had been raised, he went to the synagogue as he what? As he always did on the Sabbath day. Jesus, the son of God, who didn't really need church. He had a relationship with the Father, more close than any of us, yet still had the priority of being in God's house. Look what Hebrews says. Hebrews 10 tells us this way. Let us hold unswervingly. Some of you, your life is swervingly. All over the place, all over the map. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And what does it say? Yes. Come on, and, yes. and yes. let us, come on, let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds and giving up and not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And I wanna look directly into this camera. And I wanna say for all those that are joining online, I'm so glad you're joining online. And if you're staying at home because of health, I'm so glad, protect yourself. If you're staying at home because of sickness, stay home. If you're watching because you're at work or somewhere else, you're not in, but if you're staying home because of habit, get here at 11. Listen, I'm not saying this just because of you. I'm saying this for your kids. Like, where, what, the, the path that we're bringing your kids through, they're learning the Bible and they're learning scriptures and they're learning memory verses and they're learning about God and they're, they're, it's, it's building, it's building and it's building. But imagine if that building has 40 blocks not there because they weren't there. And listen, I get it, I understand. I understand sickness, I understand work, and I understand vacations. Lindsay and I, we do all the same thing. We travel and all that kind of stuff. But listen, if I'm in town, I'm here. I'm, I'm here. 
And, and, and here's why it's so important for you to understand this, because this scripture says, encouraging one another, not giving up the habit of meeting together. Come on, there's just some things that you, 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 you don't just need to hear a message, you need a hug. You need a high five. You need someone to look at you in the eye and go, hey, how you doing? And you're like, oh, I'm good. And they're like, bull, bull, you are not, you're not. And we can hide behind things at times and we need to be in an environment where our faith can be increased. And there's something about corporate gathering that does something inside of my heart that lets me know that something's bigger than me. And then the being around collective places gives me strength and gives me courage and gives me all these things that are there. I'm telling you, you need to be, and I'm telling you, this is so huge for all of us when it comes to reaching the next generation is to prioritize church. And listen, I am the byproduct of a family who made church a priority. And I'm going to tell you right now, I kicked and screamed and I drugged. I tell people, that's my joke. I, was, I, I had a drug problem. I was drugged to church all, every Sunday, everything. But listen to me. Listen, at some point, God does something. It's not an option on the table. Like, you're there. Oh, I don't want to go. It's, so at what point do we just allow whatever we feel to be what dictates our choices? Sorry if I'm coming off a little strong but I want you to hear me closely. I might be a little more friendly next week, okay? But this week, it's, I believe it's so important because it's a matter of life and death, spiritually and emotionally for this generation. We've gotta be a people. We gotta be a people that get plugged in. And so one of my things that I, I'll say all the time is give us a year. I call it the one year challenge. Give us a year. Every time you're in town, be in church. Every time there's a, there's a next step, if you haven't taken your next step, get in next step. When life groups kick off in September, get in a life group. Like, give us a year and get plugged in. Just say yes. Just say yes. Give us one year. That's all I ask for, one year. And at the end of one year, if your life and your family is not radically different, then by all means, leave church. But I promise you it's not gonna be that way because I'm not calling you to something that I don't believe is the best for you. And my job is to shepherd this flock. It's to shepherd every single one of you. I wake up in the middle of the night with many of your faces on my head, in my brain, and just praying, where's such and such? We'll have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that'll be here this weekend, and when I leave this parking lot, you know the ones that I'll be thinking about? The people who are not here. God, I pray, Lord, but I can't force someone to come. I can't make someone to come. I can't chase someone to come. Like, you've got to want to come. You've got to want to be plugged in. You've got to want to be involved because you can come and warm a seat, but you've got to want to get involved. You've got to want to get plugged in. You've got to want to be a part. Your kids need to see that. So prioritize it. Number three, we're done right here. Last one is I want you to participate in discipling someone younger than you. Participate in discipling someone younger than you. As I said earlier, our middle school right now are discipling in OSC kids. Our high schoolers are discipling our middle schoolers. Our young adults are discipling our, our, uh, our high school um, students. We've got those that are now have families. Man, if you have a family, disciple someone who's starting a family. If you're married, find, find a younger married couple. Like all of us in here can find someone that is where we used to be and help them get to where they need to be. 
Are y'all with me? Like, if, if, if God delivered you out of something, find somebody who needs some deliverance. Like, whatever it is, like, everybody in here can disciple people. Like, well, no, there's no way, Pastor Josh. I don't know enough Bible, and I don't know enough this, and I don't know. Here's what I know. If you follow Jesus for two days, that's two days more than some people. You are now qualified. <laughs> qualified. I'm going to tell you right now, this is hard for many of us to really swallow But you know more about God, the Bible, and the Holy Spirit than the disciples when Jesus said, go and make disciples. Swallow that for a moment. You know more about God, the Holy Spirit, and the Bible than the guys who when Jesus says, I am commissioning you to go change the world, did. So our issue is not information. Our issue is a revelation that God has called me to do this. So calling all of us into this place. And if you look all throughout the Bible, this call is on all of us to live a generational life. And a generational life is literally that I, whatever has been invested and poured into me, I pass it down and I pass it down and I pass it down. And there's hundreds and hundreds of scriptures that talk about this. But I wanna read one. And this is our last verse. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. And it says this, but as for you, this is Paul speaking to Timothy, which was his kind of spiritual son and protege, his disciple. He says, but as for you, Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. So he's saying, hey, listen, Timothy, what you've seen in me, what you've heard from me, what you've been around in me, keep doing that. And then take that and go go put that in someone else. Go put that in someone else. I wanna tell you why I'm so passionate about this. Because this is my life story. This, I I would not be here if it wasn't for Pastor Bubba and Miss Tracy who invested in me, saw something in me, called it out in me, if I didn't have parents that modeled something for me, that created opportunities for me, that prayed for me, that challenged me, like I wouldn't be where I am today. Lindsay and I could say the same thing. Lindsay and I met living in the reality. Let me show you, I'll show you a picture of this. Look, this is our, one of our, look at this picture right here. This is before she knew that I was her man. When I strummed that guitar, she was like, I need him. (laughs) Okay, that might be a lie, but maybe I was strumming it going, can I get her? (laughs) (laughs) Father Abraham and many sons and many sons. (laughs) You know, that's probably what we were singing right there. Uh, Like, this is my story. Like I'm probably, I'm 18 in this picture. Just serving in the church, right alongside what I didn't know would be Lindsay Belt. And I just wonder, you know, as I, as I walk these halls and I see kids, I wonder how many are, are, there, are there 
is their spouse in here? Come on, somebody. Some of y'all are already doing, you're already picking out things, you know. Wait for him. He's for me, okay? Like, y'all. But, like, I didn't know. But I, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful. 18, 19 years old, Pastor Bubba's like, here, just go, man. Lead. Man of God, lead. Man of God, lead. Lead? I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Just lead. Just, just, just sing. Oh, okay. It was terrible. It was terrible. Okay. Let me show you another picture. This is the beginning of the church, probably 2003. In a tent. What were we thinking? <laughs> that's Pastor Jamie back there in the back. Zach. That's Allie. That's Cody. Like, like, that's a 10-year-old. That's, that's no lie. That's a 10-year-old. Maybe even younger than that at that time. On the drums. Like, this has been my life. Being in environments and being in a spiritual house that said, you don't have to wait to be great. And I'm going to invest and I'm going to pour and I'm going to believe. And in 2019, we had the whole baton passing where Pastor Bubba officially did a, said, okay, it's in your hands. And then 2020 hit and COVID hit and I was like, you can have it back. I don't want it anymore. This is my, this is my life story. And I don't know about y'all, but I pray for my kids that they would have a story like this. And maybe it's not in full-time ministry, but that they would love God and love the church. And I love that. Like my kids love serving here. And I love that. I love that. I love that. My kids kind of like us. We'll find out. Verdict is out. But God is calling us as a church. And as long as I'm leading this church, I just wanna let you know where our vision or our mission is. Because if you're like, oh, I'm not down with this, I just want you to know this won't be your church. That's how serious I am about this. Like we're gonna be a church that invests money, time, and leaders into this next generation. Because they deserve it. They need it. They need a people that will have the Nehemiah spirit and fight for them. So I'm calling you to pray and I'm calling you to prioritize and I'm calling you to participate. But I'm gonna give you three last things. These are very simple. I'm gonna give you three last things and then we're done. I want everybody in this room, especially those that are of an older generation, to, to do these three things. I want you to be an example. Listen, Kids don't need you to be smart, they need you to be consistent. Kids don't need you to be smart, they need you to be consistent. So last month when, when, when our youth camp happened, Lindsay and I intentionally, this is the first time we've done it in a lot of years, I'm gonna tell you why this has been so passionate for me. I was like, I, I can't just be talking about this anymore, like I've gotta do it. So last, what, last month when, when our camp was happening, Lindsay and I went and stayed at the camp the whole week. Like I was there the whole time, hanging out with your kids, finding out a lot of stuff about y'all. But also having a, a blast. I think I had more fun than they did. I had to remind myself I ain't 20 anymore though. I can't hoop like I used to. But I realized something. And I want every person in here that's wants to fight for this generation to realize this. 
this generation just needed an example. <laughs> I didn't try to be cool and hype and all this stuff. I just tried to be like a daddy. Just hug on them and love on them, pray for them, be an example to them. I wanted to also be the second thing, which is I wanted to be available. And I wanted to be an encourager. This generation is told about all the things they can't do, all the things that they're doing bad, all the things they're not doing right. Man, I just wanna be a generation that invests in this generation by not just being an example and not just being available about, man, I wanna be an encourager. Listen, your kids will do stupid stuff. My kids, my kids have, and they will probably continue to do it for sure. My kids aren't perfect. But when they fail, it's not a matter of if, but when. You know what they need? They need to be reminded. I know that's what you did, but that's not who you are. I know that's what you did, but that's not who you are. That's not who you are. We need to tell this generation who they can become, who they're called to become. And so I'm calling on all of our OSC family to help join with me and with Lindsay to fight for this next generation, to be an example, to be available, to be an encourager, to pray, to prioritize, to participate. I'm calling you. And some of you right now, like, you feel this. Maybe for your own kids, but maybe, maybe you're like in your 60s, 70s, or 80s, like, oh, no, they don't need me. They need you even more than you think. Listen to me closely. Don't retire out of life. Do not. This generation needs you, and this next generation needs you. We need people investing and calling, and this is what we need. This is what God's calling us to do. And so I want to invite you to participate. I want to give you a next step. If you're in here and you're like, I'm, I feel this, I wanna help with this. On your notes, on the bottom is that QR code. You can scan that code right there. It's gonna bring you to a link and it'll say, sign up for next gen, you'll see it. And you just click that little thing and I would like to just get to know who in here wants to, to help us reach this next generation. If you're like, I don't do the digital stuff, that's not me, that's cool. You can walk right outside that door and go to guest services and they have actually got a paper, okay, with a pen. And you can, you can write it down, okay? Hey, we're for all generations here, okay, somebody. We're for all generations. And you say, hey, I'm interested. Maybe it's, maybe, man, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna do something with young adults. Or, man, I wanna do something with youth. Or, man, I wanna really help with kids. Or, man, I wanna, let's, we need you. They want you. We saw it. They, we saw that. They want us. And so I want us to, I want us to do that today. Um, I wanna pray for this. If you are in, if you, I wanna end today with that. So I'm gonna ask you to do that. Don't leave without taking a next step in that. And if it's not for you, that's fine. But for those in here that are like, man, I wanna be a part of this. I wanna be a part of this. I want you to sign up. I want you to be a part of that. Um, I wanna do this. If you are in that Gen Z category, if you're between seven and 25, uh, or, um, yeah, seven and 25, I want you to stand up. Why don't you stand up? If that's you, 7 to 25, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. Come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Hey, and just want to let y'all know for the 9 o'clock service, this is the older service. 
Most Gen Z come to 11. <laughs> so even the fact that what we got, go ahead, keep standing. If that's you, stand up, stand up. Don't, don't sit down, don't sit down, don't sit down, don't sit down. We've got a whole lot more, which by the way, we probably have about 350 that are in this area, in this church. Um, I want you to do this. Would you stretch your hands towards those that are standing right now? And I want us, well, we're gonna do this first thing that we've asked for, and that is to pray. If you're there online, you can join in with us. So Father, right now, Lord, we just pray over every, every person that is in this generation. God, we thank you for them. And God, I pray, Lord, that they would fear you above all. I pray that Jesus would be first and foremost in their life. God, I pray, Lord, that they would hear your voice more than any other voice, more than their friend's voice, more than social media's voice, more than any influencer's voice, that they would hear your voice. God, we don't even know the full weight of the anxiety that they feel, the pressure that they feel, the problems that they walk through, but you do. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us as, as parents and and, and as, as a generation that, that loves this generation, wants to fight for this generation, God, help us to know how to get into the world. Help us, God, to know how to pray and encourage and participate. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit. And God, I thank you, Lord, that uh, you wanna use them even now, that they don't have to wait to be great. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would use them mightily on their school campuses, in their workplaces, wherever they go, that you would use them in a mighty way. Lord, we bless them in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Come on, let's.